Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. In the ancient times, there was a podcast called Bouncing Death Quark by Kirimode and Kodamrin. These super nerdy dudes launched a podcast that would change how we talked about Keyforge forever with their strategic thoughts and framings for the game of new paradigm shifts. No resources, opportunity costs filling up your hand at the end of the turn. How can we think about this? And they swooped in and said, main house, support house, burst house. And here's some 18-minute episodes where we tell you what it is, and then we stop talking about it after Age of Ascension because we're done. And I thank them for their service. And now we pick up where they left off to talk about, as we did last week, main houses, and this week, support houses. So, let's get sweaty. Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio. My name is Zach Armstrong, and we're here to help you be a better Keyforge player. And hey, quick note, I see uh, some of you are listening and you're, you hadn't, didn't hit the follow button. <laughs> That's so weird that you wouldn't hit the follow button. So whatever podcast platform you're listening on. So do that. Then you'll hear more Keyforge Public Radio as soon as it drops every Wednesday. So we are talking about bouncing Death Quark's house rolls uh, from early in Keyforge and looking at them in the light of all the new mechanics and new metas that we've experienced since then. Last week, we talked about the main house role. Next week, we're going to talk about the burst house role. This week, we are talking about the support house role. What does that mean? What does it look like? And how does understanding what this looks like, putting these frames and terminology on it, help us play Keyforge better and help us understand things in ways that will help us select decks better, either for Archon or as we're putting together Alliance decks or sealed decks in Alliance sealed or selecting Archon decks or deciding how to pilot our straight up sealed decks. And that's what we're looking at today here on Keyforge Public Radio. So what does a support house do? What do we mean by a support house? Well, there's all sorts of different things that go into a support house as far as what they can do. It's a number of things. So uh, to compare, let's re-describe what a main house is so we know what a support house is in comparison. Main house is a house that you can call back to back and be advanced properly advancing your game state without having to play even any cards from hand. So a main house is where you can be calling it back to back, taking advantage of your board, and you don't even need necessarily be to need to be playing cards from hand. You are getting good advantage from what's on your board. These creatures are surviving. They are getting you advantage and you are pushing forward just using them, demanding an answer from your opponent. So a support house can do a couple of things. It wants to help your main house do its job. Maybe you've got some house cheating effects to get your main house set up better. Maybe you've got your board wipe in this house to when your opponent responds to your board or is getting a board out before you do. And so you get your board wipe out to to even the playing field as you try to set up your main house. 
And it's going to have more situational cards that have more fluctuation to them. They have more variance to them in that they are situationally going to be better in some situations than many cards. And your main house is going to have cards that are just always good to place out onto the field and call back to back. Your support house is going to have situationally good cards. This is where your removal is often going to live. Your control cards, right, like bounce or house uh, house restriction cards tempo cards, maybe uh, capturing Amber to buy time, right? Helpful combos that aren't necessarily win condition combos or burst combos, because that's going to be over in our burst house later. These are combos, perhaps you're going to see these uh, classic fog effects. That's an old Magic the Gathering term. We have things like fog bank to stop fighting or opposition research to stop reaping. There's a number of these kinds of effects across many different kinds of Keyforge cards. And so it's going to be it's going to be helping your main house do its job. More situational cards that maybe control and affect the tempo that let you either buy time or buy time by slowing your opponent down, accelerating your game plan to then set up your main house to do its job really well. So uh, with with removal, that's going to be, of course, removal is responding to threats that your opponent puts down. They've got, uh, there's the old Keyforge phrase, kill the witch, and this is inspired by the early witch traded cards, especially over in Untamed in the early days of the game, hunting witch, two power, after another friendly creature enters play, gain one, which of the eye, which is going to be reprinted here in Grim Reminders soon which is a three-power creature that says, after reap, return a card from your discard pile to your hand. These are all very powerful cards with very good effects that your opponent wants to remove, generally speaking, as soon as they can. And so Kill the Witch is is a term there in your support house. If you're going to have removal, if you're going to have removal that just you know pings them for some damage, let's look at, we had reprinted in Winds of Exchange the card Pound in in Brobnar with an amber pip that says deal two damage to a creature with one damage splash. So that's four total damage. That's great at removing these pesky smaller witches like hunting witch or like uh, dusk witch, one power elusive friendly creatures enter play ready with Omega. That was printed back in Age of Ascension. So uh, Pound is going to, that is a good situational card where if your opponent only has big creatures and them being damaged doesn't really matter to you or your opponent has creatures with armor, right? It's only situationally good. Pound is not always good, but Pound is great if they just dropped a threat onto the board or you need to go ahead and get some damage spread out across them. So uh, a support combo in this way, a situationally good set of cards that you might hold while your main house does its job is uh, pound plus something like pound plus something like vow of blood that uh, deals two damage to enemy damaged enemy creature so the balancing act with how that card is designed is that it's great because it doesn't damage your creatures usually these effects are two-sided to be quote-unquote balanced but the prerequisite is that the enemy creatures have to be damaged to receive just two more damage now plenty of ways to get damage onto enemy creatures in brobnar so vow of blood usually quite good quite good and it really helps you close the gap between how much damage you can do via ping damage or fire spitter or flamethrower getting all these one damages out to deal more damage and get especially those three and four power creatures off the board completely so that's an example of two cards that are situationally good right like early game if your opponent's not presenting small threats that you need to blow up with things like valve blood and pound those cards aren't going to be particularly really good also a good example here 
it's a bit of a support card, a bit of a burst card, perhaps. Uh, so we're, we're going we're gonna to blur the lines a little bit here, but easy marks where you blow up a friendly creature to exalt three different three different enemy creatures. So that is a great way to get Amber out onto the board and then blow them up to get some Amber. So that might not be true burst because you're really just setting yourself up to reward blowing up those creatures later. So that is a bit of a burst, a burst card disguised uh, a burst card designed to help out a main house where our support house doing its function of fighting down the enemy's board or just blowing them up with action cards. So removal is a very good support house role. Control is a very good support house role. We're seeing a lot of this, a lot of high performing cards in Unfathomable in Winds of Exchange doing this kind of work. We have Abyssal Sight where you blow up a friendly creature, look at your opponent's hand and get to discard a card from there. Very powerful. You have Befuddle where you name a house and your opponent can't play cards of any other houses during their next turn. Catch and release. There's a lot of disruption and control where you can really mess with them. And now what I think Unfathomable in Winds of Exchange, if you played with them, is a great example of this because I very rarely see a strong Unfathomable house that you want to call back-to-back like a main house. You want to be calling your other houses and then call Unfathomable once every few turns to play out your control, your threats, your fugurus, your your Fugurus, your Fathom Reavers that keep their hand size down unless they respond to those threats. Fuguru being one power, and while it's on the board, it's got poison, and it says while it's in play, your opponent refills their hand to one less card. Fathom Reaver does the same thing. It's got four power, no poison, but makes a token creature and does the same thing if they have a, if you have a token creature out. So you can present these threats that slow them down. You can play things like Befuddle, Catch and Release, Abyssal Sight, all which disrupt your opponent and control them so that you can shape you can shape their response right on the next turn you're discarding a card you're telling them what they can and can't do on their next turn or just completely messing any up any can crafting they've done with things like with things like catch and release which returns all creatures to hand and then everybody discards down until they have only six cards in hand pretty disruptive card So that is the kind of thing that control looks like, right? There's the old classic card, Control the Weak, where you pick a card and they have to choose, you pick a house on your opponent's identity card and they have to choose that as their house next turn. Mark of Dis in Mass Mutation was another version of that where you deal two damage to an enemy creature, or you deal two damage to a creature, and if it survives, that house must be called on its controller's next turn. So that lives often in the support house where your main house are calling back to back. And then you go into the support house at some points to remove creatures from the board to slow your opponent down more than you're slowing yourself down and take that tempo. I think capture often plays into tempo, right? Uh, Tempo capture was derided a bit in the early days because people said, oh, they can just blow the creatures up and get the amber back. So it doesn't really matter. Now, in some cases, that's true. You're going to capture some amber and your opponent may have a way to go ahead and get that amber back within a turn or two. But what capturing amber really does as far as tempo is it keeps your opponent from forging when they otherwise would have, right? If they had that amber, they might be forging. And whenever you take a turn whenever you take away their ability to forge during that forge a key step in a turn and you've put them one turn further behind you you are taking turns away from them as far as getting to that third key because remember when we talked about key forge is a racing game you've got to get to the third key 
All that matters is getting to that third key. And if you lock that in, then you've won. And whatever it costs you to get there, whether you made a play that looked like suboptimal, but given, generally speaking, but given the game state or what you knew they had left, that was the right play or you made a risky play to get there. You want to get to that third key. And if you're taking away their amber, say you've got four amber captured, they make two more. They would be at check if they had that amber, but now they're not because the amber is sitting on your creatures. So that is the kind of tempo thing that a support house can also do is just pulling that amber over onto your creatures. I am thinking a lot about Star Alliance and Winds of Exchange also has a number of great support cards that reflect this sort of thing. In in Star Alliance and Winds of Exchange, you have a lot of deck filtering, which can work in a main house, but also can very much work in a support house, especially if you're using the deck filtering to make tokens for whatever your main house is, like we talked about Last time we talked about Mars being a great token creature main house in Winds of Exchange. You have things like Future Booster, which of course is Omni, lets you look at that top card of your deck and put it on the bottom. When you're in any house, you have things like Grunt Work, letting you look at the top three cards of your deck, rearrange them, and then make a token creature. You have uh, Scout Pete and Navigator Ali letting you interact with the top cards of your deck. Lots of filtering and skill testing there, and those can be main house, but often Star Alliance is uh, more easily fought off the board or removed with action cards, so they certainly can be main house, and they can jump in as a main house if your opponent is not responding to them. They can serve that role, but many of their cards aren't quite as natural, at least in Winds of Exchange, in that role together in, in that latest in that latest set, although they can certainly uh, serve that purpose if they're getting their combos to go off and you do have enough protection, especially things like Collector Boren and upgrades with extra Amber Pips on them, uh, Collector Boren returning upgrades from your discard pod to your hand on play and then readying after you attach upgrades to it. And there's just all sorts of fun bursts you can do there, especially if you have Transporter Platform. So sometimes they can serve in a main house, but often they're serving the support house role either with their good removal, which traditionally Star Alliance has had some good removal. They have both Quintrino, they have Quintrino Warp in Winds of Exchange, where you choose a friendly and an enemy creature and destroy every creature that shares a house with the chosen creatures. A fantastic piece of fantastic piece of removal. And so they have good removal. They have good, helpful combos that aren't necessarily a win con, but are helpful combos to get you towards the end there. So remember that your consistent cards are going to be over in your main house. If a house is doing something consistently and can call it back to back, that's your main house. When you have your removal, when you have your control or tempo cards in a different house, and that identity is as clear in that house. Now, it's not always right. Keyforge houses can often be a mix of things or play different roles at different times, given just on what your draw looks like or how mixed up a list looks like. But your support roles often have removal control and tempo. So as you keep playing Winds of Exchange and as you look forward to Grim Reminders, look for what are the support house roles looking like in those houses. What houses have removal at common and uncommon that you can count on seeing for Alliance Sealed or in regular Sealed? What is going to be a good support house? What does the control look like? Control is often a very strong archetype. We've seen a lot of that from Mass Mutation dominate quite well with things like Mark of Dis, things like Infernus. So keep an eye out for what the control, what the tempo looks like 
in Grim Reminders so that you can tell what is going to be a good support house to back up any main houses that you can push forward, especially as there's stickiness on the board, hand filtering, going hand filtering for a main house and then you can set up that perfect support house that as they if they ever respond to your main house being really strong and they take it out or they disrupt it what can be your response right after that with your support house that you got ready in your hand especially in grim reminders where you're going to be able to discard cards as you go from out of house and make that hand look like as close as you make that hand look like you want it to as you go forward this has been Keyforge Public Radio. I am your host, Zach Armstrong. Remember that KeyforgePublicRadio.com is where you can find these episodes and blog posts. We've recently archived all of Soho Jin's hobby drama blog posts he put on Reddit a while back that chronicled all the worst bits of Keyforge's history, but in a way that makes you love Keyforge even more. It's really seems quite skillful writing. And I am happy to have been permitted by him to archive those onto the Keyforge Public Radio website. We are, of course, supported on Patreon. Thank you so much to everybody who has joined us there. And if you would like to join us there, I would love to have you there on Patreon supporting Keyforge Public Radio. And a special thank you to our Airwave Advocate level supporters like Paul Roadrunner. Make sure you are following the podcast on your podcast player of choice if you haven't already. And remember... Like your radio dial. May your Keyforge skills always be well-tuned. Visit KeyforgePublicRadio.com to find all of our episodes, transcripts, blog posts, the KPR store, and more. Keyforge Public Radio is made possible with support from listeners just like you, who believe in this game and this show. When you join the Patreon, you receive access to votes on content, sneak peeks, early knowledge of interviews, access to the Discord, and other benefits. So come on down, I'd be honored if you joined us. Follow KPR on any social media platform you frequent. Just search for Keyforge Public Radio, and we're probably there. This show is produced by Rooster High Productions, which is me. And remember, dear listener, the most important part of Keyforge is the person across the table. <laughs>